Yeah. It reminds me of Brother Brad Sandler. I was telling them on the way up here about Donna and I being uh, out west. In fact, we were in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, uh, a few years ago. That's a beautiful town. If you've been out there, you know that. It is also very expensive, talking about fundraising. And so when we got into the town, we were uh, we were quite surprised that it was going to be so expensive. But we, we found us a place. We found a place to stay that night. And uh, it was not, uh, certainly not anything, anything like this beautiful. In fact, it was, it was so unique that the little room we were in, the little small bedroom, and then the bathroom, the bathroom part, was tiny also, Brother Gary. In fact, after I got back home to the church, by the way, I pastored the Unity Baptist Church in Ripley, believe it or not, Ripley, Mississippi. And if the Lord lets us go to July, we will have been there 45 years in that same church. So I was telling the people uh, about this particular room we stayed in, and I said, we were trying to be careful. The church was actually paid for our trip. We were trying to be careful and frugal with the money, Billy. And uh, so, uh, so anyway, we stayed in this room, and the bathroom was kind of unique. I told the people when I got home, just to show some credibility about trying to be frugal and careful with the Lord's money, and, you know, not staying in the most expensive place there in Jacksonville. So anyway, I said, one unique thing about it, uh, the bathroom, uh, uh, men <laughs> would have to, going into the bathroom, have to decide before they went in there, basically, what they were going to do. <laughs> because once you got in there, you, you could not turn away. <laughs> okay, moving right along. Okay. <laughs> it says MC for the night. MC stands for most no, no. Anyway, reaching the world, that's what we're all about. And we're glad you're here to help us do that tonight. And there'll be some come later toward the end of this service tonight to explain, make a little more detail. You have material on your table there to help you to uh, at least to kind of know how to help. And, uh, and you pray about it. This is a fundraiser. It ought to be a fundraiser as well. You know, nothing, if I can say this, I hope you won't get offended by me saying it. I think the most exciting and thrilling business in the world is God's business. And to me, it has, it has been a lot of fun. Uh, this time in August, I will have been preaching 50 years. And I am having the time of my life. And I think God's people ought to be the happiest and the most joyous people in all the world. And we're going to give you an opportunity tonight to express and actually practice the Word of God. Because the Bible said God loves a cheerful giver. So we want to see the smile going out. We want to hear the laughter, the hilarity. And I tell our people, look, uh, Preachers and pastors love 
any time now. But if you want to be real scriptural and spiritual, let's be, let's be cheerful givers. And so you give as God directs you tonight. At this time, we have a GPA mission video titled Reaching the World.
I've been saved by grace. It's not what I deserve that I'm saved by grace. How many glad they're saved by God's grace tonight? Amen. Listen to this now. And when I reach that city, the gates swing open wide. Oh, I'm going to sing a redemption story of how he brought me from the other side. And when I reach that city, the gates swing open wide. Oh, I'm going to sing a redemption story of how he brought me from the other side. And now I'm saved by grace. I've been saved by grace. My name is in the book of life, and my sins are washed away. Saved by grace, and I've been saved by grace. It's not what I deserve, but I'm saved by grace. Saved, I've been saved by the wonderful, wonderful grace of my God. My name is in the book, and every one of my sins have been washed all away. I've been saved by the grace of my God. It's not what I deserve, but I'm saved by grace. I've been saved by the wonderful, wonderful grace of my God. My name is in the book. My sins have been washed all away. I've been saved by the wonderful, wonderful grace of God. But I'm saved by grace. No, no, it's not what I deserve. But I'm saved by No, 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 it's not what I deserve. But I'm saved by grace. Hallelujah. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. What an honor and what a joy it is for me to be able to be here with y'all tonight. And uh, I have been with the Gospel Preacher Association going on my 22nd year as in missions and evangelism. And uh, I can tell you that it was one of the greatest decisions uh, that I have ever made in my life uh, to be able to be a part of this great organization. One of the things that attracted me to the Gospel Preacher Association 22 years ago, literally, was the name of the organization. Uh, Brother Ronnie pointed that out just a few moments ago, and I remember when I interviewed 22 years ago with Dr. Talbert Moore, and uh, one of the things that he said, he said, Billy, the reason why we have chose to be the Gospel Preacher Association is because the greatest emphasis that we can put on taking the gospel to the world is through the preaching of the Word of God. And, uh, and when he said that to me, uh, I, was, I was intrigued immediately. And then he said these words. He says, we don't want to have a missionary uh, that cannot preach the gospel. And so we are going to be the Gospel Preacher Association. And I absolutely just fell in love with this organization and have been part of it now for 22 years. And it's a blessing to be a part of it and continuing to see the work and the vision that Dr. Talbert Moore had 
all the way back in the early 80s and, um, and decided that I think the GPA was started in 1987 and Brother Gary was our first missionary and uh, now there's over 60 of us that are a part of the Gospel Preacher Association so we praise the Lord for that, amen. So give the Lord a hand clap of praise, amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to sing a, a song here for you that is on a, uh, a brand new project that we just recently uh, put out uh, called Have You Ever Seen a Miracle? And uh, I don't know about you, but when I begin to think about uh, what the Lord did for me at 12 years old, uh, God created a miracle in my life the night that I walked into my mom and my dad's bedroom and uh, asked my father to be able to take his Bible and show me how to be saved. And my daddy showed me that night as my mother prayed for me that night. And the, my daddy took his Bible and said, Son, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And it was that night that God created a miracle in my heart. Amen. And so we may have seen a lot of miracles in this lifetime, and we may have been to a lot of places. But, friend, I want you to know if you're looking for a miracle tonight, take a look right in these eyes right here because you're looking at one tonight. Amen. Listen to this song. Hoping to be a blessing to you tonight. Amen. You may be well-traveled around the world and to both ends. You may have toured the Milky Way through a telescopic lens. And you may have seen wonders from the Louvre to the Taj Mahal. If you weren't in the pew the night when I prayed through, Lord, you haven't seen a thing at all. And have you ever seen a miracle? No, then look into my eyes and see that miracles come true. Because I became a walking, talking miracle. When by grace my broken, tarnished life was instantly made new. If you want see a miracle all you have to do is ask him and Jesus in his mercy will show you what up close he'll make a miracle of you amen I'm gonna remember the night God done that for you amen hallelujah in shambles a place where satan dumped his trash on a scale of 10 so full of sin i was minus 15 crash but miracles still happened so the preacher said one night i prayed a desperate prayer and right then and there god proved the preacher right have you ever seen a miracle no then look into my eyes and see that miracles come true because I became a walking talking miracle 
When by grace my broken, tarnished life was instantly made new. If you want to see a miracle, all you have to do is ask him. And Jesus in his mercy will show you one up close. He'll make a miracle of you. All you have to do is ask. He'll make a miracle of you. He'll make a miracle of you. Praise the Lord. Amen. I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees or will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. I can only imagine when that day comes and I find myself Standing in the sun, I can only imagine when all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine, yeah. Surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees or will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. Picture this. Well, surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in all of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? To my knees, or will I fall? Will I sing? Hallelujah. Will I be able to speak it all? I can only imagine. Yeah, yeah. I can only imagine. 
can only imagine, I love this, when all we will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. When you're up against the struggle that shatters all your dreams and your hopes have been crushed by Satan's manifested schemes and you feel the urge within you to submit to earthly fear, don't let the faith you're standing in seem to disappear, but praise the Praise Him, praise the Lord, for our God abides in our praise. Praise the Lord, for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise Him. Remember that. Satan is a liar, and he wants to make us think that we are paupers when he knows himself we're children of the king. So lift up the mighty shield of faith, for the battle must be won. We know that Jesus Christ has arisen, and the work's already done. So praise the Lord. Praise Him, praise the Lord, for our God abides in our praise. Praise the Lord, for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise Him. Let's put our hands up and praise Him tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord, he'll work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord, for our God abides in our praise. Praise the Lord, for the chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise. Him. Praise Him. There's power in our praise. Praise Him. Let all that has breath praise 
us praise the Lord.
certainly in just viewing these short videos, it's hard for us to get a large grasp and even appreciation for all these missionaries who and their backgrounds and situations. Brother Farra, Brother Gary said just a few years ago had gotten a permit to preach in a park there in the city. While he was preaching, the officials came and stopped him and arrested him, took his, took his van, took his equipment, even though he had a permit to preach there. Eventually he got his van back, but none of the equipment he was using to try to evangelize and preach the Word of God in that community, in a community where, and no doubt, uh, this Hinduism uh, prevails, uh, where people he preaches to, they, all they've ever known, for the most part, will be Hinduism. Their parents were Hindus. Their grandparents were Hindus. Their great-grandparents, where they went to school, where they went to the market, Wherever and whatever they did, it was all Hinduism. And yet here's a man who goes into the, into the darkness of that Hinduism with a gospel light. Can the gospel compete with Hinduism? <laughs> it can do more than compete. Yes, sir. It can change lives. Amen. And men like Brother Vara are willing to put their life on the line so that the gospel light can shine in some of the darkest, darkest places in the world. I'm reminded when I think of stories like that and situations like that, how blessed we still are here in America to be able to assemble like here tonight and boldly proclaim the name of Jesus and challenge and encourage one another to give to support people like this, ministries like this, the GPA who is behind these people. You know, this is a team effort. Now, the word team, I don't, I don't think is in the Bible, but the picture of it is, and, and certainly tonight, the GPA, everything from the fans that, that to get behind the team, you get up on the high level, the front office, those who are presidents or directors, leaders, all that's involved in the front office of a professional football team. And then, of course, the coaches, without which it would be impossible to uh, succeed. And then, of course, the players, those men who put on the equipment and the uniform and play the game. Well, what we're talking about tonight, there's more at stake than a game. We're talking about souls, the salvation of these souls and people that God loves. Some of us dare to believe tonight that God loves everybody on this planet. Amen.
Let's tell them all about right. Jesus. Talking about a team and that I'm going to be through tonight, I'm introducing Brother Mark Edwards, who is not only with GPA, but we're honored to say one of our missionaries. God bless you, Brother Mark. He is um, short his life tonight. The sheriff still in Brazil. And uh, so uh, uh, he's going to make an effort, even though she's not here, to cheer him on. Encourage him. Could I say something about the teamwork? Could I say something in closing about us giving of our best? And that could apply to what we're doing here tonight at this fundraising uh, event experience. Um, you remember the movie Rudy at the end of the game? And they carry him off the field. And, and there are other experiences like that teamwork, the winning of games and all that. Now, I heard this story. I don't know who the coach was nor who the team was. I, I preached and I was giving this illustration I'm about to give. I was in Texas and after, after the game, after the message, a gentleman come up to me and he said, that was Tom Landry and one of his players, he called the name of his players. I don't know, but he said that. And you'll see why he's going to claim it just a moment, and I don't remember if it was a playoff game, a very important game. It had been a long, hard game. They were down to the last few moments, maybe even the last seconds of the game, the way the story went. Uh, the, uh, the whole team was on maybe the one, two, three-yard line. Timeout was called, and uh, the coach challenged the team in those last seconds. They were behind three, four, five points. A touchdown would win it for them. And so the play was called. And before they went back to uh, execute the play, and the play was the quarterback gets the ball, and he turns and hands it to the uh, running back who of course, is to take it across the line into the end zone. And so, most people know how to appreciate the quarterbacks and the running backs. But the coach reached up and grabbed the shirt of that lineman, that offensive tackle over which the play was going. And he said, it's all on you. It's all on you. If you don't do your job, if you don't take that defensive lineman out of the play, then this play will not work. It's on you. And so they all take their place, they snap the ball, they turn, the quarterback hands the ball to the lineman, to the running back, and right over the back of that tackle he goes. Into the end zone, farthest score to win the game. And the only way the old tackle knew that they had won the game, because he was in the bottom of the pile. But he had done his job, and he had moved the man out of the way so the running back could score. So the game is over. The fans are cheering, the crowd is cheering, but they're cheering, they're cheering the running back. They're cheering the quarterback. And everybody's eyes are focused on them. 
And this, this old tackle who gets up from the ground, his head was buried in the dirt, he's knocking the grass off and, and just kind of shaking himself off. And he looks around and all the people are cheering there, excited about the running back. But this lineman looked over at his coach. And his coach wasn't looking at the running back, but he's looking at that lineman. And he pointed at him, and he nodded his head in approval. The old lineman swelled up with pleasure and thankfulness that he had done his job. Maybe nobody else in the stadium appreciated it, but the coach did. Did I say to you tonight, maybe, maybe a lot of people don't, don't even appreciate our missionaries, pastors, people like you who come to give and to sacrifice, to help make ministries like this work. And I'll tell you, there's one who's looking at you tonight. Yes, sir. Amen. There's one who's watching. Yes, sir. And I'll tell you, when it's all said and done, it won't be the applause and the cheers of the people. It'll be the master's words. Well done, yes. thou good and faithful servant. Yes, sir. Amen. Amen. That's what we're all about. We're honored yes. to have Brother Mark with us. He's going to challenge us tonight uh, from the Word of God. God bless you. Thank you tonight. Thank you, Brother Gary, Sister Helen, for all y'all do. We appreciate you again so much. Amen. Could we give them some appreciation tonight? so much, Brother, Brother Bearfield and Brother Gary, for the opportunity and invitation to be able to, to share with you all this evening. Uh, you know, I was thinking earlier, and since Brother Billy uh, was singing, singing, I can only imagine, thinking back to, to some of the people that God's opened the doors uh, for us to be able to witness to. In, in the country of Brazil, it's a, it's a diverse country. We've got a lot of different areas. It's a large country. Uh, the north and south is, is as different as day is from night. And I'll, I'll never forget uh, the people in the Amazon, Brother Billy. Uh, some, some of you folks from Nottingham uh, come down and visit us several years ago. Uh, people that, that live in some of the most remote villages you can imagine. And uh, they have no clue what life like this is all about. Uh, we had a, a, just a, an old couple in the village, just as simple and as, as, as humble and as poor as you can imagine. And I'll never forget bringing their son uh, back to our, our town where we would come back to and resupply before we go back out to the villages in our little John boat. And he walked into our house. I just you know, opened the door and walked through the, the, the laundry room there was the washing machine. There was the dryer. You know, my wife Sherry, she's doing some laundry and it's spinning in the dryer. You know, <coughs> uh, and, and, and Lucas, he looked down at that, that white box, making that weird sound. And he asked Pastor Marcus, what is that? And uh, I said, that, that's a, it's a clothes dryer. Second door to Jehovah. And he looked at it and he's like, looked at it left to the right. He said, is there fire inside that? How does it work? He, he couldn't imagine no. something that, that we just take for granted. The whole point of, of that is a lot of those people in that village, 
We only knew them for a few years, some of them already in glory. His mom and dad both passed away. All they ever knew was digging holes to, to bury firewood to make charcoal, which is a, a, a nasty, dirty job. Going out and fishing for piranhas. They knew how to, to hunt. They knew how to uh, find some basic medicinal plants for certain ailments throughout the year that they would experience. But because they heard the gospel, Brother Bearfield, yes. because they, they were able to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ, yes. they went from that village that always stunk with two things, burnt turtle shells and lots of B.O. <laughs> lots and lots of body odor because they didn't wear deodorant. No. But they went from, from, from running back and forth to the jungles in bare feet to walking oh boy. along the river of life on streets of yeah, gold yes, and beholding the Lord Jesus Christ in all his glory, yeah. in all his power, and his divine true nature as he really is. Amen. If we could only imagine this event is in an endeavor much bigger, much larger than any one person here tonight. And I thank everyone who, who has, has worked so hard to, to organize this and to make this event possible. But what it's really about is about proclaiming Jesus to people Good. just like Lucas and to his mom, Dona Teresa, and his simple, humble dad, Senor Lucy. If we could only imagine the bigness, as Brother Barefield was, was, was speaking, I thought of the verse in Colossians where the Bible says, concerning Jesus, he gave me thanks unto the Father who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. If we could only imagine what is actually taking place when a, a preacher in India or in Ghana or a preacher in Mississippi or right here in Nottingham, Pennsylvania or Lancaster where, where we have, actually happen to be, wherever we may find ourselves, when someone gets saved, when they hear the gospel, that spiritual transaction that takes place when they are born again, yeah. they, they, they leave the kingdom of darkness, the power of Satan, yeah. and they enter the kingdom of light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we're really talking about. Yeah. And it does. It takes systems and processes to make all this function. And, and, and that, that's part of what draws us here is because we need to make these things function. Humanly speaking, it takes money to get to places and to, to provide the resources, the logistics to put a man in Africa. That's right. Or in the Amazon or, right. or wherever our missionaries are tonight. But it all goes back to this work that Jesus came to perform yes. on the cross of Calvary. I, I'm going to uh, uh, finish up tonight. I, I thank Brother uh, Billy for, for the, the ministry of song as he shared with us uh, this evening. Uh, Brother Brad Davis will be coming shortly. But our Savior was asked, which is the greatest commandment yeah. in the law? They didn't have the complete Bible at the time. 
Basically, what, 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 what the, the lawyer was asking is, of all that's in the Bible, well, what's the most important verse? What's the most important commandment? Well, what, what really matters? And of all that Jesus could have said, Jesus said this, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto him. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's right. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If, if, if time uh, permitted, we, we look just a little bit deeper into some of these principles that Jesus laid out. They're foundational, really, to all that we do and even to all that God actually is. His very essence is love. And Jesus highlighted that. In another place, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, again, inspired by God, inspired by the Lord, through the Holy Spirit says, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfaith. A lot of times we ask ourselves, well, well what's this event about? What, what, is, what is all of this talk? Whether it be uh, a GPA, Mobilization Ministries, Army of 2000, uh, or, or other special projects, the, the cost involved of, of, of running this uh, ministry. Is it just, is this really just all about charity? And I want to say this. Now, I, I grew up in a little small town called Milton. And there in Milton, there's a river called the Mud River. So it was always called Milton on the Mud. So I, I'm going to make a statement. It's going to be clear as mud. All right? Why are we doing all this? Is it really because of charity? Is this a charitable, a charity event? Well, it is, but it isn't. Right. I know that sounds contradictory. When we look in the Word of God and we, we, we start to study and understand about the love of God, a lot of times in our, in our Bibles, especially in the, the classical version, uh, the King James Bible, we find the word love, God's agape love, not translated love, it's actually translated charity. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of times we don't think about it. We just simply replace the word charity. We, we, we slide in the word love to make sense and we just keep on reading. But I got a study once. There's 24 verses like that. 24. The word charity actually shows up 28 times. And that's because in some of those 24 verses, the word charity shows up more than once. But in 99.9999999% of the time, of all those verses, where you'll find charity translating that Greek word agape. If you look at the context, the love that is being taught in those verses is always love directed at people around us. Whether it's our brother or sister in Christ, or whether it's our neighbor in a more general, broader sense. And, and when, I, when we connect these two ideas and we plug it into what we're talking about tonight, I want to say missions and the projects that, that, that the GPA is, is endeavoring uh, to, to uh, execute around the world. If I can use the word execute in that way, it's kind of not really what we're about executing. We, we, we do want to... That was kind of funny. I'm sorry. You guys don't get my humor. All right. Somebody gets it. Uh, but you know, the, the real reason it's all about this is what Jesus said. It's about loving God, but also loving our neighbor 
as ourselves. It's understanding who God is and understanding the, uh, the, the depths of God's Word and applying it to our life in such a way that we grow in faith, a faith unfaith, that shows itself in how we relate to people around us in demonstrating the love of God. And I can't think of a more pure, altruistic way of showing God's love than taking the gospel, the story of, of redemption, about how a lost person can be saved. They can be transformed by the power of God if they'll, they'll place their faith in Jesus Christ and what He did Amen. on the cross of Calvary. Yes, sir. There is no greater way, in my opinion, than to be able to communicate that truth Showing the love of God by sharing with somebody how they can be saved Amen. from their sin in an awful place called hell. Amen. And that's really what brings us here tonight. It's, it's this mission that God has given to us all. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, I don't mean to sound crass, but, but as, as I wanted to sit down tonight, I, I'm reminded I had an old football coach in high school. And, uh, yeah, I was one of them hogs. <laughs> brother, brother Bearfield, as they called us, and uh, I remember the old football coach that we had. He had red hair. We, we, we nicknamed him. He didn't like him. We nicknamed him Red Squirrel. Sometimes we had to roll that from the other. We were calling him that behind his back. But he was a good coach, and a lot of times he would ask me. He say, "Edwards, is so and so going to go out for football this year? Are they going to are they going to join the, the team this year?" And I said, "Well, coach, I don't know. They said tomorrow they come to practice, or they said uh, they could have come to practice this week, or maybe next week." And he'd always say this, talk is cheap. That's right. Edwards, talk is cheap. That's right. You know, it, it, it's often easy to talk about good intentions and, and, and plans. But what God wants is for us to put into practice the love That's right. that his word teaches yes, us. Sir. And the love that Jesus demonstrated on the cross That's of Calvary. Right. A lot of times God has to change our heart before we get to that place. I'll never forget we had a fellow, his name was Sebastian. Sabah is what we called him for short. And Sabah was, 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 a, was a simple guy. Actually, Sabah was the brother-in-law to, to uh, uh, Mr. Lucio. And his sister was Teresa, and it was his nephew that came to our house and asked us about the dryer. But when we first went to the village of Bulishu, we, we got permission to, to build a, a small uh, wooden structure there where, where we would sleep in a one-room space in the back side of that, that structure and we would have preaching services on the front end. And I'll never forget my wife, she was sleeping in her hammock nearest the window and I was sleeping in my hammock nearest the door and our four kids in the middle. And it was about 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday night and we were waiting for it to cool off and so hot in the Amazon, it's sticky, it's muggy, and, 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 and just thinking, boy, I, I can't wait till it gets to about 10 or 11, finally the heat will leave, we'll be able to, to drift off into sleep. And then I heard a, the sound of a, a boat motor coming into our little lagoon. And it was, it was a diesel boat that was coming in, a small fishing boat. It come up close to our muddy riverbank. went from silence being broken to the sound of that diesel engine back to silence again. But probably less than a minute or two went by, I started hearing a man's voice. And I could tell by the tone of the voice, he was angry, he was upset, he was actually starting to yell. You could tell by some of the slurring, he was, he was drunk. 
And my wife, she told me later, it was actually cussing. I didn't know the cuss words. I was somewhere in Portland. She knew all the cuss words, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> she worked with kids. And you know how kids are. Kids are always writing each other out. So she learned the cuss words before I did in Portuguese. Uh, <laughs> but one word I did hear and that I understood, the word in Portuguese is espingarda. That's the word for shotgun. And Sebastian, or Sabah, he was mad. He was irate that we had come and we had built this chapel, this church, in his village, the village where he grew up, just down across the, the field from his mom. And he was so mad. He was so upset. He hated us. He didn't want to have anything to do with us. Sometimes I'd see him in town when I was buying supplies, and he would cross the other side of the street and didn't even want to talk to me. Which is very odd. Brazilians are very nice, friendly, wonderful people to talk to and, and, and very hospitable. But eventually, Sabah started to come into church. And he would sit on the last simple bench in the back of the, the church area. And he would listen. Several weeks went by and he, he finally got saved. Well, we were so excited. He, his whole, his whole uh, demeanor and his whole attitude is uh, just completely transformed. We, we finally got a generator working in our village and he helped us actually stream the first lights that we had wow. in that Amen. church there in, in Bullishaw on the River Kiwani. And, and during this time, we, we, were do, we were planning two events. We were planning a, a trip from the GPA to come down to us, but we were also uh, wanting to go to the last village on our river and be able to preach the gospel to them. So we were making those plans, and my wife and I, we, we decided we would get some clothes, we would get some food items. We had several cases of Bibles and gospel literature, and we'd take it to that village and we would we would try to break the ice so to speak so that we could share the gospel with them and i'll never forget my wife and i and little john boat we pulled up into that that river that river village called valerio we got out we got the clothes we got the food items and and we got the the, the case of bibles and i started to talk to the people they had gathered there to to see who it was that, that pulled up to their jungle village Nobody had a single smile on their face. They had scowls there. You could tell that it was kind of, it was awkward. It was tense. You could feel it almost in the air. You ever been in a situation like that? Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I told them we had some clothes and they didn't get excited about that. We had some food, didn't get excited about that. Had the word of God, definitely didn't get excited about that. I thought, man, something is really off. I looked at my wife, I said, let's go. The, the, the door here is not open. I don't know what's going to happen. Let's just leave everything and let's go back to our village. And we, we graciously sort of politely bowed out, backed off, left everything there, told them basically, if you ever need anything, give us a call. Well, it was coming time for the, the, the group from the GPA to come down. They were coming in a large uh, riverboat that we, at the time, we had rented. We were all excited. We're going to have a Bible conference. And, and man, we were, we were getting everything prepared and organized. And the next day, the boat was going to arrive with all of these Americanos. And uh, we were going to have singing and activities for the kids. And, and we were going to preach the word of God. Man, we were all fired up. And the night before the boat showed up, Sabah comes up to me and he says, Pastor Marcos, he said, aren't we going to invite our neighbors upstream? And I remember what it was like when we were there with them. I'll be honest, I, I know it sounds carnal, it sounds like, you know, maybe I, I, I lost my testimony or whatever. My heart sunk because I remembered how scared I was out there in the middle of nowhere, these people staring us down. It's one thing to read stuff in a book. It's another thing to see them there. They got knives and machetes and they're just like looking at you with scowls. Yeah. 
Thanks be to God. Sabah says, Pastor Marcos, if you'll give me a little bit of gas, he said, I'll go and I'll invite our neighbors. Wow. And I said, here you go. <laughs> he went up there that night, didn't come back. Came, uh, the boat from, from the U.S. or from, from, from the capital with the Americans came. We were excited. We were helping everybody get a load and get, get organized. Brother Keith Johnson was leading the activities with the kids. And we had different things planned for the day. And, and the people in our village were all excited. And they were helping us. And I wonder, I wonder if South Island is going to make it back in time for our first day. We continued to work and, and, and set things up. And all of a sudden, I heard in the distance a boat motor. They call it a habet. It's a small, little, shallow, shallow water boat engine. This long boom has a unique, high-pitched sound. I could hear it coming down the stream, making the curves of the river. And it would get louder as it got closer. As it as it got further away in the curve, it would it would soften a bit and back and forth. After about 30 or 40 minutes, he finally made the last curve and he rounded his his little wooden canoe into our lagoon. Thought, well, here he comes. Glad he went. At, at least we tried. Behind him were three canoes filled wow. with, with, with Brazilians, Hibeninos uh, uh, from the village of Almedia. Six people got saved. Wow. Amen. All because God changed the heart of one man who had a different outlook now, and now he had the yeah. love of God. Governing his heart with a burden for people around him. Yeah. I believe this is the love of God that he wants us to have. A love that will move us to action right. to do what we can to reach people around us. Uh, uh, I'm going to ask, I believe it's Brother Davis who will be coming up next. If he'll come on, make his way up here. I wonder what God can do in our lives when we wholly yield our hearts to him and allow God to change us and mold us in his image to transmit the love that he showed us at Calvary to people around us. Thank you, Brother Davis. God bless you.
Uh, and uh, that, that was an expensive move, but one that we really, it had to be made, yeah. and I'm so glad that we did. It's perfect, and it took about $17,000 to get, to get all that moved up here, equipment and everything. And so that's one of the needs tonight. But on your, on your table is an envelope, okay? And you'll find in that envelope, or inside, tucked inside the flap, is some ways that you can help us. So I take a look at that if you would. And then uh, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm praying the Lord will help you give something tonight. That'd be great. Amen. So you say, Richard, is that what it's all about? Listen, if we don't give, it may call you to go. That's what my old pastor used to say. He said, now church, we gotta give. Because he might call you to go to receive. Yeah. yeah. He may call you. And uh, that's not a threat, but be an opportunity. But at the same time, we have this privilege. And I love the stories we've heard tonight, and it so thrills me. But let me tell you, I told you about one, the move up here was $17,000 at least. And that's just an operation of faith. Uh, all of our 50, 60 missionaries that we have, every one of them, we do not ask them to contribute one penny to the home office, to all the expense. To that $17,000, we didn't ask them to give one cent to that in any form or fashion. We've never asked that. And one of the great things about the GPA is that every single penny that you send in to your missionary or missionaries goes to the missionaries. It's for them. It's for their work. And uh, I, there's hardly any other mission organization uh, that can operate that way, and I'm not throwing off on any. I have one myself. We operate the same way as the GPA. And that is, we believe God by faith to give us Amen. what we need Amen. to operate. And that's what, you know, this dinner's about. But on there, it says, I would like to make a pledge. Now, you can do a, a pledge monthly, annually, or you can say a one-time gift. I would like to make a pledge tonight. Also, it says, please accept my one-time gifts. So that envelope right there would be a wonderful place to put a check. And uh, Miss Amy, where's Miss Amy? She's sitting right here. Raise your hand. Better stand, Miss Amy, so they can see you. Okay. Her and her team, if you'll give them, uh, they can thank they, uh, they you. They were online. Amen. That's right. And give with your credit card or your debit card, whatever you have you like to give. Uh, food stamps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, the government's going to, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> Turn that tape off. Oh, well, hallelujah. Yeah, you like to Joseph. But <laughs> listen, please see her. She can help you with that as far as using the card. A lot of people do. Our money writes checks anymore. Um, says I'd like to give them a diversity project. We've got uh, two uh, great mission efforts coming this summer, short-term mission trips. It's coming up, medical missions, it's coming up in Honduras, one to Brazil. Isn't that right? Yes. One to Brazil. And that's so exciting. Of course, the ship is, is in dock down at Gulfport, Mississippi. Work to be done there. And so you can give annually, you can give monthly, you can give a one-time gift. Uh, it tells you anywhere that you'd like to designate your funds to go, we'll be sure it goes there. And if you want it just to be used where needed, then just mark on that we're needed because we promise you that everything that's in us, nothing is wasted. We use it very, very carefully and we're trusting you and believing you, trusting God, believing you and God to touch the heart of his people. 
And that's what we're doing here tonight. God, touch our hearts. You know what we need. I couldn't help but think uh, of a true story. Now, I'm going to ask you about it in a moment here, but uh, back in the days of uh, Bloody Mary, back in, you know, those hundreds of years ago, Bloody Mary was his reign. Boy, she was bringing great persecution against Christians. True story, by the way. Great persecution against Christians. And uh, churches were having to meet in secret. They could meet out in the woods, out in the wilderness somewhere, and have a little service. And, and one Sunday morning, this little girl was slipping through the woods. I can see it now. Slipping through the woods, making her way to where a little gathering of folks were she knew that was over in the other holler. Okay? I'm from Tennessee, so I know what hollers are. So over in the other holler. So she was making her way through the woods, slipping away. And lo and behold, the old queen had a bunch of soldiers that were waiting along the trail. And they stopped, ran up to her, pulled her swords out, stuck them in her throat. And the old captain said, where goest thou, fair lass, on this fine Sabbath morning? And she's quivering and shaking. She remembered a story in the Bible where God said, where Jesus said that, that he was not ashamed to call us brethren and that we were the very children of God. And she said, uh, well, uh, my elder brother has passed away, and they're reading his will at the house today. Uh -huh. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That will's the word of God. They're That's reading right. his will. That's right. Sure enough, sure enough, old captain looked at her and said, well, I think you're telling the truth. So we'll let you pay. So she went on, spent the day coming back after dark. That old captain and the soldiers waiting for her. When she came back, they jumped her again, took pulled her swords out and studied. He said, Well, fair lass, how did you fare in the reading of your brother's will? Here's these wonderful words. He left me everything. <laughs> Whatever, no gift is too small, no gift is too large, and all we use very wisely. If you'll take that envelope, take a look at it, let's bow our heads if you would, and let's just say, Lord, what would you have me to do in the offering? You can give online as well. Dr. Lincoln Pledge, see Miss Amy and her team, and they're here about using credit cards or, or debit cards, however you like to do that. So please, let's do that as well. But let's ask the Lord seriously. I know we, none of us can give unless it touches our heart and it gives us the means, but I know that He'll do that. Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you for this meeting. Thank you for the wonderful meal. Thank you for the camaraderie that we've had here tonight. What a blessing, Father. Uh, so many great friends that we have here, my wife and I, just uh, have been accepted in the family here. Thank you for the showers of blessing reminding us that our God is in control. We thank you for that. Now, Lord, let us be a blessing to this ministry. Lord, and whatever gift you touch our hearts with, whatever you put in our minds, we know you'll supply. Perhaps there's churches here that, that uh, pastors are here as well, and, and they believe that God's given them a figure, give them an amount. Uh, 
we know uh, the need of the 17,000. We know, Lord, that uh, probably another, at least another 13 to, to 14,000 will be needed for these other mission trips. Uh, so we're, we're just telling you about it. And we ask you, Father, to meet that need tonight. That'd be so wonderful. Uh, just touch our hearts and we'll thank you. We'll praise you. Give you all the glory. Thank you for everyone being here. Everyone that took part in this. Everybody that made it happen. How blessed we are. How good it is to come together as God's people, as God's children. And know that we're loved by Heavenly Father who's left us everything. Yes. He left us everything. Yes. And we're so thankful. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you for being here. Amen.